Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of October 2012. Newcomers, as always, I suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. It's free. Uh, there's lots of audios for download and uh, well over a thousand and more getting added all the time. And I go through the big system you're born into, the system that keeps your eyes shut, basically, uh, to the reality of the world. You're trained to see the world in the way that your masters want you to see it. And they understand how your mind thinks and how your logic works, and they feed you the data, knowing you'll come to the correct conclusions. The conclusions are all fake, of course, but they are the correct authorized conclusions, and you go through your life as a good slave, and never realizing, or even asking the questions, or even when you do ask the questions, you'll never figure out why there's a whole big class of people above you who live off of you, including all the big corporations as well. Never mind all the politicians and their families too. But uh, it's been like that for an awful long time. And certainly the big boys that brought in this system did document the, the, their plans a long time ago, well over a 100 years ago, of bringing in a scientifically controlled society and techniques of behaviorism would be used. Now it's called neuroscience as well, added to it. And you're guided to all your conclusions. And the only real purpose you have is to go through life, pay taxes, and be very obedient to the changing system. And I go through that too, as I say, and lots of the documentations I give, so the documentaries I give. So make sure that you make the use of the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember, too, you bring me to you because I don't bring on guests as advertisers. I don't mix the, the occults uh, with it, too, or copy theosophy or Rosicrucianism, uh, which has all worked in the past, of course, and works to the present time. Because most folk don't really want truth. They want an escape. They want a religion. Because even when you take people out of the religion, you can't take religion out of the people, so they naturally look for another one. Uh, and the answers are really very, very simple. You've all been conned over and over again. So for those who want to keep me going, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders uh, from your post office. You can send cash or use PayPal across the World Western Union uh, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Straight donations are awfully seriously welcome as well. But we do live in times of rapid change. This is the century of change. Remember, 21st century was to be the century of change. This would be the culmination of centuries of revolution. For those who don't understand, we've had centuries of revolution. Most of them, as I say, are bloodless. Many have had a lot of blood spilled too in the past, but most are bloodless. It's cultural revolution. It's scientific revolution, techniques of controlling the mass mind and so on. That's all in effect, has been in effect for a long, long time. And I tend to go into these aspects because if you don't understand them, you'll be prey to every shark that's out there. And there's lots of sharks, believe you me. But as I said, the big boys did document their plans. Uh, they, they wanted to bring in a form of what they call equality. Equality not to help the public 
but to destroy the cultures that existed previously. And when you're all dysfunctional because you lose all your culture, then the same people who are literally intergenerational revolutionaries at war with all the rest of the public, they can control you because they take over government, they create more government departments themselves, and then they handle the chaos. And you think they have to do it because the chaos is so evident all around you. Very old technique. It's working up to the present time very, very well indeed. It is right on track with where they expect it to be at this time. And now they've got the rest of this century to fulfill their ancient plans of total world domination. Uh, and that also includes domination of everyone's mind as well. The greatest trick, of course, is to get you thinking it's fun. And most folk won't mind uh, giving their mind away to someone else to control. Because as long as there's fun involved, then it's just like taking drugs when you're a youngster. It, it can't be that bad until, of course, you find out there's no back door to get back out again. Back with more after this break. folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And most folk out there think they're very logical. Most folk think they are. I mean, ask anybody. Uh, They'll have opinions on pretty well every topic that's out there and current. And uh, and they truly will argue about their opinions. But they have no in-depth backing up of facts to do with the opinion because they haven't thought out the thing logically by themselves, have adopted the opinion that's given to them by one of two experts generally. That's what they give you, two experts, A and B, who do you, who do you want to believe? And that becomes your opinion. And it never dawns on them that both experts can be utterly wrong or playing a game to get you to simply go along with it. And that's really the latter, actually, is generally true. They give you a fake view of reality or, or current events. And, and you actually think to yourself, well, I guess they have to do this. This, this new law, whatever it happens to be, uh, to get something done. And of course, nothing is further from the truth. The fact is they want you to acquiesce to having the law passed in the first place because you've just been conned into believing you need it. So the whole thing in politics, for instance, is again, the public must participate in the con. And I'm not the first to say that. People said that a 100 years ago. And, uh, and it's very, very true. You must participate in the sham. Most folk know it's a sham to start with, but you truly must participate in it. And it's got nothing to do with people at the top that are presented to you, this shiny face mug here or that shiny face mug over there. It's simply the guys who are already pre-selected by those who already run the financial system of the whole planet and the governments too. And I've gone into the history so many times of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the Milner Society that existed prior to that, that merged with the Rhodes Society and formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It sounds very pompous and very official, but it's actually a private organization. And the other private organizations they have that belong to it across the world are called Council on Foreign Relations. And they, they of course, uh, were started off by international banking families, the ones that lent money across the whole planet in the 1800s, and they're still at it today. And they drafted up a whole world view of how the world should be run, and they worked diligently at it, generation by generation. It's quite amazing when you read those who followed the, the histories of foundations. 
the parallel government is, consists of foundations, tax-free and tax-exempt foundations that fund every organization across the planet. And the Royal Institute for International Affairs, as their own historian has said, has, has put presidents and prime ministers in office for, for 100 years now, without a break. Everyone that you, you think you elect is a member, whether they admit it or not, they are a member. And of course, there's only one agenda, you see. And so these big tax-free foundations are the front methods. Uh, they're, they're actually distrib- they're actually money laundering schemes to non-governmental organizations and lobbyists to make sure that, that they, they go through with their whole agenda of uniting the planet. They own the United Nations, by the way. And, and the United Nations comes forth with all treaties that you sign. Again, all private organizations under the United Nations, like the Rio Summit private organization again. And yet this private club can get uh, all politicians to sign on board to, 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 to treaties and acts which will completely alter our way of living without our say-so or consent or anything else. And you think you live in democracies is such a joke. Really, that part is such an awful joke. But it works very well because most folk simply accept it and they, they think it is some kind of official governmental thing. And mind you, their politicians never mention these big treaties they're signing on to when it comes to up to election time. Suddenly they're back into navel-gazing and, and we're, we're just a country, we're a nation. And as soon as it's all over, they're international again and global. But that's what we, and that's what I mean about we, we participate in our own con, you understand. We all do by going along with the farce every time. Other people who are perfectly conditioned, and there's lots who are perfectly conditioned, uh, they will never figure it out. They'll always vote the same thing as their dads before them, and that's just the way it's going to be. And uh, it doesn't matter what, what evidence you show to them, but anything they don't want to know, they can't know. They're, they're too damaged to understand what you're saying, but they will fight you. The new feudal system that you're under is really an old feudal system. I don't personally think the old feudal system ever died away at all. And uh, they give you democracy so you wouldn't have rebellions every five years. You simply vote instead, hoping, hoping for some better thing to happen. But international corporations were to rule the world but along with your governments, which the corporations manage because the corporations also uh, have CEOs which go in and out of the big foundations. They go in and out of politics and back to the private corporations, you see, just like musical chairs. It's almost mandatory to do this circle of things to become a CEO at the top of corporation and business. But it isn't mandatory, in fact. And the whole idea is you have this massive class of people on top of you, uh, and you are peasants, whether you like it or not. But when you're forced to do things you don't want to do, you're a peasant. If, if a, any government can lean on you for taxes or lean on you for taxes for property and steal things from you, then you're a peasant. It means you have no rights, folks. That's a, there's no two ways about it. It's as simple as that. But they con you again and try to meet you. It's always the, it's always the victim's fault. I'm about to evict you because you didn't pay your property taxes. What's well, extortionate anyway? And then you find those who even tax you and even come round, if any of them do come round these days, they generally don't do this, double the taxes one year from the next, uh, and don't even examine your property. You guarantee that guy's making a lot more money than you are. So you get all these parasites living top heavy on, on you. And you're taught to accept this as being normal. But you also have, I think, worse things than that. You have energy. Energy is the big, big thing today uh, for, for making lots of bucks. It will be for a long time for this whole century, as they pretend of scarcities. And at the same time, in speak to tell you there's more oil and gas and everything else than they've ever found before. 
But it doesn't help the prices go down, in fact. Because again, you see, you have so many people living on top of you and masses of government bodies now also living on top of you from local to regional or, or provincial to in borough in, in England uh, to, to federal level as well. Alexander Hamilton was partly right in what he said. Do you want one king ruling you? We have to pay for the king and his family and his entertainment and his little army. Or do you, do you want thousands and thousands of bureaucrats working on top of you? So technically he knew what was going to come, you see. So it's an article here ties right in with it. It says, UK energy supplier, EDF, it's all privatized now. They probably build up the energy routes and all the equipment, and then your government hands it to these guys for pretty well nothing or handshake, really. But EDF Energy has announced plans to increase prices for gas and electricity by 10.8%. UK energy supplier, EDF Energy, has announced the plans to increase the, the supplies, causing many British households to face, uh, face a double-digit increase. EDF has become the latest energy supplier to announce an increase in energy prices as dual fuel consumers or customers who pay their annual expenses during a monthly direct debit and you'll see an increase of £123, totaling around £1,252 from December the 7th, the British media reported. And then to tell you that they're going to increase it again next year, which is only like a couple of months away. So, And we put up with it. And your government will say, well, we can't do anything about it. They're private corporations, you yeah. As they've all got shares in the same corporations and stuff like that. But we put up with it. We, we deserve, an, to an extent, what we get. We, we truly do. We truly do. And until this farce and this whole system really is leveled, until some, some modicum of honesty where the people have a right to know what's going on, every penny of what's going on, in fact, uh, since these guys are going to live off you and, and rifle through your savings, then it's never going to change. Feudalism can only get worse. And of course, feudalism is intended to go into the next step of scientific socialism, which is just the same thing as feudalism using scientific techniques to control you all. For the greater good, you understand. You know. Now, the U.S. Army chief is in Israel to discuss the joint missile defense drill. There are lots of drills over in Israel right now, and the U.S. is, of course, paying a lot of bucks for it. But uh, it seems that... Uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Martin Dempsey was in Israel Monday to discuss the Joint Missile Defense Drill that began a week ago. That's Operation Iron Curtain, or something they call it, or Iron Dome, or whatever. And um, they've got a whole bunch of new missiles, chorus of the U.S. citizens, to defend themselves and so on. And they're getting shown how to use it. Plus, there's American troops over there to, once again, teach them how to use all these new anti-missile batteries. Some 3,500 U.S. troops are participating in a drill, testing anti-missile batteries with 1,000 troops inside Israel and the rest taking part from Europe and the Mediterranean Sea. So the U.S. Aegis uh, ballistic missile defense ship is joining from the northern Israeli port of Haifa. It's estimated to cost the U.S. about $30 million and Israel some $8 million. That's not a bad deal. So it goes on. The world goes on as always. And and do you understand if you ever got a weekly or even a monthly notice of what you now owe for all the money your government's borrowing from the private bankers to fund all these these wars and so on and these exercises, you might wake up a little bit as you'd see it blossoming every month. Uh, Something that you don't even know what's even going on most of the time. If they actually gave you a bill every month for it, this is your portion now, it might change things a bit. I'd be all for that. That might change something. It might, you know. Now, you've all heard about the about Iraq and we had the, the UN scandal 
with uh, the food for oil crisis. And we know that the UN uh, top honcho, his son was involved with it, and he was raking in the cash big time. But it's still going on. It says exclusive Shell. Shell seeks Iran sanctions workaround via cargo. It's a big agribusness. Cargo grain barter, it says. It says... Um, Shell wants to repay a debt that's growing larger because of unpaid interest, having failed to settle its accounts with the National Iranian Oil Company, uh, NIOC, ahead of a European Union embargo on oil imports that started on July the 1st. It's only to get clearance from US, UK and Dutch authorities who will be under pressure to agree on humanitarian grounds for an offset agreement that would permit it to fund Cargill to deliver enough grain to Tehran to clear the debts. It's amazing how they can just kind of stop things, stop wars and everything, clear their own personal debts. Actually, what they were waiting for is for Iran to get smashed and they would hope they wouldn't get, have to pay any debt off at all. Shell wants to repay what it's owed uh, at, to this national Iranian oil company and they want to maintain amicable relations for the day when sanctions are lifted, they say. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and just going through the tidbits that are thrown to us like like slop, basically, to the mushrooms. That's what we're given to talk about, mind you. Most of the stuff that matters, we're not given at all. But uh, even behind the slop, you can figure things out. For instance, this article here goes on about seals dying on the West Coast. And I've heard about it in Canada and going up to Alaska even. But it says a non-profit group that advocates for seals uh, says fewer seal pups are being counted this year in West Seattle and more are being found dead. This is Robert Lindsay with Seal Sitters says 19 pups have been spotted this year compared with 51 last year. 15 were found dead. He says the high number of deaths are unprecedented since 2007 when her group was founded and biologists don't know what is killing the animals. Why have biologists if they can't tell you? I think they don't really know this day and age. The pups are weaned from their mothers in early autumn and then they learn to fish for themselves. The condition is shocking. Many of the pups are emaciated with exposed rib cages in WCN rights. Experts, you know these guys with the white coats, the new priesthoods, it says they opine that a virus could be behind the deaths because the food supply this year has been plentiful. Well, here's what it is, folks. It's this radiation still coming in from Japan. That's what's killing them off and emaciating them. That's what's doing it, folks. It's just like people, the very young, die first, you see. And they know what's causing all this because they've had articles in the paper where the stuff is still coming across, even wreckage from Japan, even still hitting the West Coast yet, and has been for the last year and a year or so. So anyway, I'll put this link up tonight for those who care. And charities always get me to NGOs and charities. And if you've had any experience with them at all, you find they're all pretty well much cons. They're all Masonically created originally, but they all end up being cons. It's a great way to make a living today, actually. Just find a cause and, and get one that's really invoke, like carbon, you know, cut carbon or something like that, and get money thrown at you. And, and not, nobody asks where the money goes when it, it comes into you. But it says here, Faye Whiteman is always eager to talk about the charity she runs and the fine work she does. But there's one thing Ms. Whiteman is reluctant to discuss, and that's how much she's paid. I guess there are mixed feelings about it, says Ms. Whiteman, who is Chief Executive Officer for the Vancouver Foundation, one of Canada's largest charitable foundations with more than $600 million in assets. 
$600 million in assets. The problem is, is, if it's not put in perspective, sometimes it can be taken out of context, she says. It's not just Ms. Whiteman or the Vancouver Foundation are touchy about commenting on compensation. Very few Canadian charities will tell you, tell anyone how much they pay their senior officials and they don't have to. It's not bad. Again, all these foundations and, and, and charitable foundations, like the Rockefeller, Ford, Carnegie, and Mellon, and a whole bunch of them, and every other one, by the way, was all set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs a long time ago. So they can parallel run the world with their parallel government, you see. Unlike every publicly traded company in Canada and every non-profit group in the U.S., the Canadian charities are not required by federal regulators to disclose compensation. They only have to provide some salary ranges, and even then the names of senior officials are excluded. So while American donors can easily find out that Marsha Evans, who just resigned as as CEO of the American Red Cross, earned $450,000 last year as her personal salary, Canadian doctors have no idea, or donors have no idea, how much Dr. Pierre Duplessis, CEO of Canadian Red Cross earned. The organization only discloses that five unnamed persons were paid more than $119,000 last year. It could be half a million, it could be a million, for all we know. As considered private information, said Alice Danju, spokeswoman for the Canadian Red Cross, she added that the organization meets all federal disclosure requirements. See, it's all written with all the loopholes for them to carry on. A spokeswoman for the Canada Revenue Agency, which regulates charities, said there are no plans to require charities to reveal salaries. However, she said the CRA is in the process of reviewing reporting rules. Many observers say it's time charities disclose executive compensation since they receive indirect taxpayer support and some operate almost like large corporations. Well, they are large corporations, paying their CEOs six-figure salaries plus bonuses and other allowances. There's no excuse whatsoever, says John Bryden, former member of Parliament who spent years pushing for changes to disclosure rules. In my view, there's even more obligation on the part of charities to disclose the compensation given to their senior execs because people like to think that there's still a spirit of generosity attached to charities even though they are a big business. They are a big business, folks, and that's what charities are. This is Georgina Steinsky Schwartz, CEO of Imagine Canada, which represents Canada's charitable sector. I acknowledge that more salary disclosure is needed. If you're collecting public money, then the public is entitled to information, and I think we all need to prepare ourselves for it, she said. Well, I wouldn't hold your breath. But it gives you some examples here. It says the Ontario government, for example, publishes an annual list of all public sector employees earning $100,000 or more. Charities are exempt unless they receive direct uh, provincial funding. Uh, that has left wide discrepancies over who must disclose. For instance, under Ontario's rules, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind has to disclose its salaries, and last year, CEO of Jim Sanders earned $206,860, up 21% from the previous year. That's not a bad pay rise, isn't it? However, the Hospital for Six Children's Foundation is exempt, although its CEO, Michael O'Mahony, is believed to earn far more than Mr. Sanders. Here's another twist. He says, Ontario's law uh, requires universities to report people earning $100,000 or more, and often the fundraising positions are amongst the best-paid jobs on campus. For example, George Hood, Vice Principal of Advancement at Queen's University, who oversees fundraising, earned $442,127 last year, more than anyone else at the university. While Mr. Hood's salary is disclosed and can be debated, his counterpart at at York University, Paul Marcus, is shielded from similar scrutiny because he's paid by the New York University Foundation, which is exempt from reporting rules (laughs) because it's considered a charity. Back with more after this. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I am back and we're cutting through the matrix, just going through the farce of life that you take for granted because you, you listen to guys every night at 6 o'clock on the news with straight faces and it must be true because it's on TV, see? And that's how easy it is to con folk. Now, the big push now is on for total, total, like martial law, daily, constant, 24 hours a day across all the western countries and all the way to Australia too. And because that is the big agenda they have for us is to take us all down into the big conglomerate of the New World Order. This, you know, it's going to be World, World Inc., basically. And we have to be changed and taught lessons. And this article is very pertinent because, you see, you've already been trained. You've been trained since 9-11 through very slick techniques to believe everything that you're told and why you must give up these rights and all these other rights and get watched, spied on and, and your email monitored and all the rest of it. No privacy whatsoever. That's complete totalitarianism if you haven't figured that out. So, and that this is for, for perpetuity now. Constant conflict, constant war. But what other techniques are they going to use? Well, the drones are a big business, you see, and they're counting so much in big drones for doing their businesses and also to control you because they have an effect on you as well once it starts. And we get that from where they're already using them. It says in this article here, post-traumatic stress disorder, increased use of anti-anxiety and antidepressant drug suicide. Uh, These are all issues that are plaguing American combat soldiers and which the American media has reported on widely, yet Yesterday, the code pink delegation to Pakistan heard directly from the victims of U.S. combat drones. So this is natives who are suffering under the drones over in places like Pakistan. We listened intently to the stories of the men who described their lives in terms, in terms of before drones and after drones in much the same way that Americans refer to their lives since 9-11. And you better listen to this because it's going, you're going to see this shortly and you're going to be suffering the same kind of symptoms because this is this is agenda. Imagine having up to six drones circling overhead 24 hours per day, making an incessant, constant buzzing sound that never ceases. The sound the drones create makes a deep-seated psychological fear, a sort of emotional torture. The lives of these people have changed completely. Their culture and their way of life is destroyed. It says this is a communal society where families of 60 to 70 people live in the same compound. The women cook together, the families eat and sleep together. Weddings and funerals are huge gatherings of friends and family, or at least they used to be. Now, after drones, AD they call it, everything has changed. Children aged 5 to 10 no longer go to school. You can get blown up by the drones. Men are afraid to gather in groups of more than two or three. Weddings, which used to be joyous affairs with music, dancing and drumming, are now subdued events with only close family members present. And most sadly, since funerals have been the target of drone attacks, they are now small gatherings as well. Because of cultural norms, the deaths of women are not reported. It's considered offensive to discuss the names or take photographs of women. Yet one stalwart journalist, Noor Beharam, has risked his life repeatedly to try to document the deaths of women and especially children. He believes that 670 women have been killed by drone strikes and has taken photos of more than 100 children. Their bodies are often unrecognizable as human after the strikes. He showed us one foot of a man holding torn pieces of women's dress that he found in the trees in an attempt to document his wife's death. 
The Bizarres are now raising a generation of children with psychological and emotional scars without an education. The use of Xanax is starting high. They're putting the drugs in now. Oh, you cope with the drones with the drugs. It's going to be a great business in the States and elsewhere. Because you're going to have the same effects with these things hovering over you all the time watching you. It's psychological, you see. It causes immediate stress. So they're giving them Xanax to these natives. Just like the troops and suicide, which is a societal and religious taboo, is shocking. 17 Wazaris have killed themselves due to the emotional terror of the U.S. drone program. It's something that's unheard of in this culture. Families are becoming displaced and moving to more urban areas in an attempt to avoid popular strike areas. The Pakistani army has moved in and won't allow them to cross into Afghanistan to visit their relatives there, though the entire region is Pashtun and part of their cultural and historical heritage. Since the U.S. government has created enemies where there were none, we have been told repeatedly about the concept of revenge, which is a dominant social force in Waziristan. The children of this region will remember what we've done to them and their children and their children. And we've also been told repeatedly that the only way to possibly stop the spirals is to stop the drones. Just stop. The people will not accept monetary compensation, even if it's offered, which it is, isn't. They don't want an apology, which is their, their view is insincere. They just want to stop the drones so they can return to their before drones lives. But that's going to be all over the, the Western world too. And that's intention. Can you imagine the psychological effect will have maybe six or seven drones over your overhead all the time watching you? And they are going to arm them. They've, they've mentioned that they're going to arm them in the States as well. And another article, too, is, uh, is to do with the former town of Ulster, Police Chief Matthew uh, Taggart in the U.S. He believed sex crimes were being committed in a neighboring community, failed to take any steps to prevent them, the Ulster County District Attorney said Tuesday. So he's been suspended, but uh, apparently to do again with the Boy Scouts and so on. Uh, years and years of knowing what was going on and that children were being used for sex. But So they've, they've, uh, they've fired to this particular Ulster Police Chief. Matthew Taggart, and I'll put this up tonight as well. Now, Australia really is getting hammered right now because they've been plunged very quickly into what we've been plunged in for a long time, like the NAFTA agreement for amalgamating the Americas and the European Union amalgamating all of Europe and so on. And they've really hit Australia hard because it was designated eventually to go under the big power of China. You don't really understand that the Council on Foreign Relations had an Asia-Pacific Relations Committee working on this very thing for the last 70, 80 years, the whole integration with China at the top, and to build up China, by the way. Again, the bankers were behind it. It says, Asian language plan is linked to school funding overhaul in Australia. And the, the, the Fabian uh, Julia Gillard speaks with Radio National's Fran Kelly about it, about the big uh, plans they have for the Asian century, or something's called the China century. And um, they're going to bring in a lot of school changes as well. So you always indoctrinate the children first to say this is all normal. And, and they're actually going to bring in uh, Chinese languages as well, Mandarin, uh, Hindi, Indonesian or Japanese as we're going to be taught at school because basically it's over for the people of Australia. This is a new system for them. I've got three or four links on this one. And uh, one is called Australia in the Asian Century. The other one is um, to do with questions over the white paper implementations, to do with all the laws have just passed on this very topic here. And the PDF I'll put up tonight as well for those who want to read it. 
And then even from the BBC, Australia PM Julia Gillard outlines Asia Manifesto. And it's improved at improving Asian ties. That's how they did it with Europe. Whenever you hear ties, closer ties, you know you're being bound together under one big governmental system. So, as says, Ms. Gillard says she wanted to refocus Australia away from Europe's old countries towards its near neighbours, particularly China and India, going exactly on plan with the Royal Institute of International Affairs plan of 60-odd, 70 years ago. Right on, on cue. Now, I've said an awful lot about agendas, agendas, especially ones that you can't get your heads round, like why, 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 why cut back all healthcare funding, make it a priority, for instance, that for those who want to get so-called gender changes now, to get in and get that done, just like abortion is a priority now, even if you can't get a hip replacement or a cataract fixed in Britain. But, but do you understand that there's certain things you can't treat because they want, they want they used to be classified as other kinds of problems based higher up in the body instead of the lower down anatomy. And, um, and that's where the problems are. And you, you can't pamper a problem in that area, you understand. So this isn't the first case of this, but it's going to get more and more common. It says, this article says, I was born a boy, I became a girl, and now I want to be a boy again. Britain's youngest sex what patient to reverse it says her sexual change treatment is still a boy. It doesn't matter how many artificial appendages you put on with surgery. It says at our expense, taxpayers' expense. Rhea Cooper made headlines last year when he became Britain's youngest sex change patient aged 17 after years of begging the family and the NHS National Health Service to turn in an a girl. But now having lived as a woman for less than a year, the 18-year-old has decided to change back to a man after suffering huge mental anguish as a woman. Uh, so, so he's cancelled the full sex change operation that was scheduled January and ceased the female hormone therapy that has seen him develop breasts, saying that he's found the changes overwhelming and that have made him deeply unhappy. So I will not use the terms they want you to use. It's still a guy, folks. You know, surgery doesn't change you into a woman who's got ovaries and a womb and a different hormonal system regardless and she can have children. So let's not get conned by this big push, this in-your-face. British paedophile rings protected by Parliament and Downing Street. That's from the Belfast Telegraph. This is a powerful paedophile network that may have operated in Britain, protected by its connections to Parliament and Downing Street, a senior Labour politician suggested yesterday. Speaking from the back benches of the Houses of Commons, Tom Watson, the Deputy Chairman of the Labour Party, called on the Metropolitan Police to reopen a closed criminal case or inquiry into paedophilia indicating his anxiety that there's been an, ex- an establishment cover-up. Mr. Watson referred to the case of Peter Wrighton, who was convicted in 1992 of importing and possessing illegal homosexual pornographic material. Wrighton, a former consultant to the National Children's Bureau and lecturer at the National Institute for Social Work in London, admitted two illegal importation charges and one charge of possessing obscene material. He was fined 900, I don't know if it's pounds or what. A Prime Minister's questions, Mr. Watson said the evidence file used to convict Wrighton, if it still exists, contains clear intelligence of a widespread paedophile ring. Way too big, actually. They'll never do that because there's too many of the big boys into this kind of stuff. And girls, too, by the way. And here you have it, too. And you never get these questions answered. Like, why, why, why? Well, remember, if you want to change society, you must change the children first and, and indoctrinate them into the new reality that they're going to be living through. And, and scientific socialism, as Bertrand Russell says, always works. 
Once you've done it to the children, they can never figure out any other, any other way of looking at something. The teacher union calls for porn lessons on national curriculum amid fears young, uh, children as young as 11 are addicted to adult websites. They've been given unrealistic expectations of sex through pornography. Academics warned common practice for children to become desensitized to sexual images after accessing porn at an early age. The National Association of Head Teachers argues current sex education guidelines for primary school children are outdated. Union claims pupils are growing up in a sexualized world and need to be taught how to cope with issues such as pornography. And the mail, the newspaper, continues to campaign for an automatic block on web porn. Well, you've got to understand there's a war going on, folks. And not too long in the future, you, apart from seeing live sex on TV, even in comedies, that will happen. You'll also see inter, what they call intergenerational sex. That's a big agenda. The pedophiles are pushing like, like crazy, even with the Savile cases going, they're pushing like crazy for special rights. See, you've given special rights to other groups already, and they're using the same techniques. That's what exactly what um, the Weather Underground said they would do. They would use, get one group through, and then the next group could say, well, you did it for them, you've got to do it for us. And that's how it works, you see. And this article here is, is to do with something similar, because it was into why they're actually doing it, because it's a real war. And I've mentioned Dr. Judith Reisman before, who's excellent. She's done incredible uh, investigations into the con of the particular groups pushing all this and the big foundations that are funding it, by the way. Dr. Judith Reisman, a visiting law professor at Liberty University School of Law, recently guest lectured during Sexual Behavior and the Law, a course I teach this guy, says. Dr. Reisman's lecture was filmed by C-SPAN and will be airing soon. In the past years, Dr. Reisman has served as a scientific consultant to four U.S. Department of Justice administrations, the U.S. Department of Education, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. She's a world-renowned expert on the discredited research of bug doctor turned sexologist Alfred Kinsey. The guy was a pedophile, homosexual pedophile, for God's sake. Kinsey, though married to a woman who took part in his many filmed so-called scientific orgies, was a promiscuous homosexual and sadomasochist. He managed to completely upend and twist the world's perception of human sexuality in the 1950s and 60s with his world-famous Kinsey reports. And by the way, they're still using that in the schools by the same weirdos who are pushing it all. Even today, most are completely unaware that during his tenure in Indiana University, Kinsey facilitated with stopwatches and ledgers the systematic sexual abuse of hundreds, if not thousands, of children and infants, all in the name of science, including children at two months old, by the way. Amongst other things, Kinsey asserted that children are sexual from birth. He further concluded, based on upon experiments he directed and documented in his infamous Table 34, that adult child sex is harmless. Do you understand? It's all starting to congeal in your minds, the big push that's on by the pervs at the top, and make everyone else dysfunctional that grows up. It's even beneficial, said Kinsey, and described child orgasm as culminating in extreme trembling, collapse, loss of color, and sometimes fainting. He actually, she actually has a, a very good videos up on this, where Kinsey used, again, government employees working around different orphanages and penetrating the children at the age of two months with stopwatches. I'm not kidding you folks, this is how disgusting this all is. And that's what's the head of your teachers' unions, pushing for all this stuff. 
Yet as many children suffered excruciating pain, he observed, and would scream if movement was continued, some would fight away from the adult partner and may make violent attempts to avoid climax, although they derived definite pleasure from the situation of being raped and buggered by an adult at the age of two months. This is an expert, a man who's lauded for his freeing sexuality from the dungeons of the Dark Ages. It says, it's little wonder that Dr. Reisman identifies Kinsey as a sexual psychopath. These children were as young as two months old. Disturbing though it may be, what's equally disturbing is that nearly all of today's liberal comprehensive sex education curricula that I've just been reading about, such as they're being pushed by groups like the National Education Association, Planned Parenthood, and Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, is derived entirely from the criminally fraudulent research of Alfred Kinsey. But even more troubling is a recent discovery by Dr. Reisman. She found that the Obama administration, which fully embraces the debunked Kinsey sex education model, has begun pushing a curriculum that in many ways eerily mirrors the FBI molester grooming paradigm. In short, she found that both Obama's HHS and many public sex education programs are doing to children constructively what pedophiles do to groom them for sex with adults, folks. According to the FBI, child molesters demonstrate sex acts to children. This is how a molester will groom them. Offenders commonly use pornography to teach or give instructions to to naive children about how to masturbate, perform oral sex, and or engage in sexual intercourse. Lower the sexual inhibitions of children. Some children naturally fear sexual activities. Some offenders show pictures of other children engaging in sexual activities to overcome those fears, indicating to their intended victims that it's all right to have sex with an adult because lots of other boys and girls do the same thing. Desensitize children to sex. Offenders commonly show child pornography to their intended victims to expose them to sexual acts before they're naturally curious about such activities. And... They're using the same techniques from the previous articles I read in your schools by the teachers' associations. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and just going through uh, what's been taught to the children in school, very young children, by the way, and it's getting younger all the time, because they've got to get really screwed up early, you understand, and using these Keynesian-based sex education and the teachers' unions and all that are behind it, because they're getting told to be behind it and push all this kind of stuff, because there's a big agenda here to have intergenerational sex. Uh, for, after all, I mean, predators have, you know, they have feelings too, and they have choices as well, you know, and you're stopping to... Fulfill, stop them from fulfilling their choices, for goodness sake. They're going to use that as an argument. They're, they're trying it right now. Anyway, here you have the teachers' uh, sex education, and the one by, from Obama that's also signed by the United Nations for all countries, by the way, that's where it's really coming from. And they're trying to do exactly that. They're actually grooming the children for sex, very early sex with, with all kinds of pervs and older pervs and, and all the rest of it. And she goes through all the techniques that they're using. And the sexual sexually aroused children, offenders commonly use pornographic images to other children to arouse victims, particularly those in adolescence. Now, these are the FBI uh, profiles of child molesters' techniques. And this is all being taught in school now. They groom the children for sex. So anyway, 
She says, uh, during the lecture, Dr. Reesman shocked the 50-plus in attendance by illustrating that today's Keynesian-based sex education as promoted by Obama's HHS does much of what the FBI describes above as sexual grooming for children. And uh, graphic sexual images and explicit values, neutral talk of sex and sexuality are rampant throughout classrooms across America, effectively desensitizing children and numbing their natural inhibitions. The reason children wouldn't want to do this without all this indoctrination is that that guards them from predators, you understand. These inhibitions help protect children from potential predators. And she says, according to Reisman, the brain data fully supports the finding that sex education, this kind of sex education, literally changes the neural pathways of a child's brain. There's mounting scientific evidence to support this hypothesis. Whatever its motive, the BAM administration is guilty of employing these grooming techniques on children. Consider, for instance, that just last year the Department of Health and Human Services Questions and Answers About Sex website provided a quick guide to healthy living section which, like Kinsey, outrageously claimed that children are human beings and therefore sexual beings. And they're talking from the age of two months upwards. It says, which is healthy and normal. It says, get the implication. And what do sexual beings do? Well, they have sex, of course. Therefore, it's okay for youngsters at that age to have sex. There's the logic behind it. It's hard for parents to acknowledge this, admitted the page. And uh, they also push to having mem- sex with the same members of the family or, or, or genders and so on. And during the years of exploring their own sexuality, sound familiar? It says, remember the FBI indicates that pedophiles will teach or give instructions to naive children about how to masturbate, perform oral sex and or engage in sexual intercourse. Exactly what is being taught by the teachers' unions. And you think it's all happenstance? Because most folks think everything out there is happenstance. This has been hundreds of years of revolution. Guided revolution by members of a particular big society. And you're living through it. Jimmy Savills, I'm up to, Freddie Starr now claims that uh, the police aren't talking to him about uh, the sex scandals. And then Jimmy Savills, his plaque is removed by Jewish welfare services. He knew to stay in with, you know, for getting on ahead in in the world. But they've removed his, his plaque. And also the Catholic Church seeks to strip the star of papal knighthood. And then Jimmy Savile came to my Barat Mitzvah, it says. He was in Israel too, and he kept in with all the power figures. Now, from Hamish Mustiach from Ontario, Canada, we're back with more tomorrow night. So, for him and myself, as I say, it's good night. May your God, your God's go with you. <laughs>